Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Jolly Good Foodcast. I'm your host, Chef Jolly. The Jolly Good Foodcast is a platform to discuss and better understand the continuously evolving hospitality industry. On today's episode, we are in conversation with a person who has set and shattered so many benchmarks. He is fondly known as the historian chef, or if you please, the chef who wears many hats and a graduate from the prestigious La Corte Bleu in London. Chef Michael Swamy, a winner of four Gourmet Awards, an international award for the best food photographer in India, has conceptualized multiple restaurants in India and maneuvered major food shows. He has authored several cookbooks and his passion for nature and wildlife has encouraged him to create culinary experiences with several resorts. Chef Michael is a stern believer of mastering technique and he strives to educate his students to develop skills suitable for global standards. He lectures at the prestigious Welcome Group Graduate School of Hotel Administration in Manipal on food styling, food photography, media, and leads a team to curate experiences. Chef, would you be kind enough to tell us a little more about yourself? Hi, Chef. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, I started out my journey at uh, Sophia Polytechnic, and then I went on to the Cordon Bleu in London. But my first choice was actually not to become a chef. It was actually to become a documentary filmmaker, making film around food. And it was my mother who said, be a chef and learn your subject before you can even shoot it. And so whilst I was studying in London, I interned with a food stylist and learned a bit of the trade, which has helped me in my chef's career a big bit along the way. Wow. Wow. That's, that's brilliant. I mean, I mean, you literally took, you literally took your dream uh, and, and went on to doing it the right way. And I'm sure, and I'm sure we can see it all that how it's helped you today. But tell me, Chef, I mean, you, I, I see you, I see you in the kitchens, I see you lecturing, I see you in the wildlife, some fantastic, you know, capture of the wildlife. But tell me something, you know, if, if what's your go-to cuisine on a very happy day? Are you into binge dining, binge eating, or what do you do? I think it's more of binge dining. You want your comfort <laughs> food whenever, <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, so I think it's your... Uh, Mediterranean cuisine, your simple Indian coastal food, uh, light on the spices, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How 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 cool is that? So so coming back to uh, Cordoba and all the fantastic education that we have had in, in internationally, um, what's the most important quality factor that you see? Uh, you know, to 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 form to be a great chef. I think. Honesty, it has, you have to be honest towards your craft for, it's a very hard journey to become a chef. Uh, you cannot just go onto a TV show and then become a chef. It takes years of training, planning, uh, educating yourself. And at the end of the day, it takes courage to perfect oneself. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, absolutely. I think it's the, it's the persistence and the perseverance to, to, to not be let down, but keep fighting to achieve. And, and very rightly said, it's, it's not an easy trade at all, uh, uh, where one plus one is two. It can be three, it can be 
one and a half. But uh, uh, absolutely rightly said. So, you know, let's talk about the exciting things, Chef. You know, I'm, I'm always, I always look up to you when you, I see you backpacking and, and, and cooking in wild and all this stuff. Tell us, tell the world, all the wonderful listeners who are listening here, tell us about that. Uh, growing up, we were always traveling. Mom always took us on holidays. Uh, uh, we always were visiting new places, seeing new things. And I think that moved with me into my profession as well. I love the travel. I love the wildlife. And I think National Geographic is the culprit for my passion for wildlife. And my, and then I took it when I started working with Park Dundee Safaris and Teoroa and Corbett. Uh, this is where I said, let me put both my passions together. Actually, three passions, the photography, the wildlife, and the cuisine all together. And I think we make choices of allocating time for ourselves, which is something people don't do. And I think people need to allocate time to chase your passions, to chase your dreams, do something different. I think I think what you've said very simply in those words is a big learning for pretty much everybody. It doesn't have to be chefs to live your life. Uh, and at the end of the day, make it so purposeful that you're following your heart, your mind altogether. Because what I believe you're set out to do, and, and, and as we speak now, and I'm sure you're heading out and you're backpacking already, you must be really excited with, oh, you're going to be with this tribe or this wildlife or, you know, what happens? How do these people cook, live, eat? Uh, I'm, I'm so envious. I'm so envious. I want to jump on this bandwagon with you and get out with you. But, you know, I think you rightly said people have to make, they, they, they need to make choices uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's absolutely so true. Uh, so uh, tell us something about where you're heading out, Chef. Uh, I'm heading to Taroba, where we are opening a new property with Pakdandi Safaris. Uh, we'll be training the staff for almost a month. So it's in the heart of the jungle. You've got wildlife all around. The best place to be at the moment, actually. Um, so yeah, in the mornings, I go for my walks, for, do my photographs. The kitchen team comes in by 10 o'clock and I'm with them the whole day. Uh, so I get a mix of both my passions. How cool is that? Do you have a space for an apprentice? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could fly down there. But um, also on this note, for, for all the lovely listeners, I think it's, it's, it's great to you know, hear that you've authored several cookbooks. And, and, and uh, you know, cookbooks for children, uh, that is releasing soon. But apart from that, I think you've done, uh, I remember having seen this book about, was it about Northeast and diabetes and, and all that stuff as well. Would you share something about your books, Chef? So I've done one book on the East Indian cuisine, which is an Indo-Portuguese influence uh, where, uh, that the East Indian community of Bombay, the Catholic community, and they call themselves the East Indians after the East Indian company, East India Company. And that's a book that I've done. I've done a book on diabetic cooking. I've done several books for children. I think it's about sharing knowledge. It's about sharing uh, something to people. And I think books are a great way of doing that. No, no, absolutely. I, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours. And uh, so tell us, how, how do you, I mean, you know, what's, what's the inspiration behind 
when you set out on a subject, let's say the 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 uh, cat the what you did you say East Indian sort of community in Bombay. So did you spend time with them? Did you go to their homes? Or you've got mates, friends. Yeah, you do all of that. You you spend time with the family, with friends. You go and meet people who are specialists in a in that food. You talk to them. Uh, putting it all together, making the cuisine simpler than it sounds, uh, making it accessible to an audience who probably doesn't know how to cook or is learning how to cook. I think we complicate matters. A lot of people like to complicate matters. So I feel just bringing it down to technique is an easy way of doing it rather than, you know, you, using fancy jargon and stuff. Absolutely. I think it's if it's more relatable and more sort of approachable, there's more buy-in as well, isn't it? So, no, no, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I've always heard of the term Indo-Chinese, but when you say Indo-Portuguese and Indo-French, now that's a cool way. So, so what exactly is Indo-French? If you look at it, a lot of the Maharajas of, I think, a couple of centuries ago, they had the, a lot of these French uh, missionaries that come down people who had traveled on the boats, they were all advisors to the Maharajas. And they lent their cuisine to, the, to some of the Vaswans and things like that. And if you look at it, a lot of the uh, Mughlai dishes do have a lot of French influences. Like if you look at uh, the way they cook the onions, for example, like a do piazza, which is a very French technique of cooking onions. And how did it come into Mughlai food, you know? Yeah. Would you would you kindly explain for our listeners exactly as to when you refer to Dopiaza for, for their better understanding uh, and, and their, you know, uh, connection with the Indo-French, chef? It's like uh, the caramelization of onions. You caramelize the onions twice over in this dish. And as you caramelize onions, the texture and the flavor changes. Now, in India, we just um, kind of Bunao, the onions, kind of. We don't really caramelize it. And it's a very French technique of actually caramelizing your onions. For example, like a French onion soup. Yes. And Yeah, and it's a technique which uh, came into Mughlai food. True. Uh, yeah, very true. And I also think that the, the refining, the refinement of the sauces to sort of make it more satiny, slightly creamy, strained, you know, shinwa or, buttery. you know, yeah, a bit buttery, rich. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, how did you get inspired with Spanish cuisine, Chef? Uh, we were doing a restaurant and uh, called Vinoteca with Sula wines. And the chef was a Spanish young lady who'd come down. And I spent a lot of time with her learning tapas. And I was setting up the menu because her English was not all that good. And uh, you know, the explaining what she was doing in a more relatable way for the Indian clientele. And that's when I started getting really fond with Spanish food. And so one thing led to another and I started using it a lot in my uh, menus. Oh, great, great. There, there's this Winoteca um, a, a restaurant in London. Is it the same branch you reckon? No, no, no. This was started by okay. Sula Wines. The name's all um, right. I think just the okay. name. Okay, great, great, great. So, um, coming to your photography, chef, um, 
you know, you, you've, you've stuck uh, the excellence in, in styling and capturing the dishes. Um, so what do you think lies in the future of food styling and food photography? In, in the earlier days, food styling and food photography, you had a lot of props because it was essentially to hide the brownness of Indian food. But uh, it has evolved now. It has evolved to a very state of minimalism keeping it natural, keeping it simple, uh, using a lot of colors and textures in the food to give that little bit of pop into it. And I had a very good photographer friend uh, when I was doing a course who said, treat it like you're treating a work of art. Approach your food and the photography like a work of art. Don't just take a picture for the sake of taking a picture. You know? And that changed my whole perspective of how I look at food when I'm photographing it. I tell my students to also approach it the same way. Look at it creatively. If you have to take two hours to shoot one dish, take those two hours, but plan it, create, you know, create magic. That's what it's all about. You know, you know it's, it's, I, it's, it's, uh, it's really lovely hearing your passion through your, you know, voice there. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put you in a spotlight chef. Now, you know, uh, let's let's talk about a humble Indian curry, you know, uh, in a bowl. Let's say it's it's a mutton. Uh, let's say it's a it's a bhunao gosht for the sake of argument, where you have this lovely lamb shank sliced across the bone, three four pieces, some boneless, and it's a brownish sort of. Now the dish in itself is so yummelicious that all you would crave is a hot paratha with it and just dig into it. You know what I mean? So. Absolutely. Now, if I was to sell this dish on a magazine front cover, as a photographer, how would Chef Michael help Jolly to make his dish really out there? Or would you say, Jolly, just leave it as it is, you know, let the beauty of the lamb shank, uh, lang, uh, the lamb shank and, the, and the gravy uh, sit around it, nap it well? Or what's your take, Chef? My take is... Uh... Let the glory of the lamb shank come out. And if you're going to put it into a bowl, you're going to hide it. Use a pasta plate, use a coupe plate. You know? Right, so, right. So that the whole lamb shank comes out of the gravy in all its glory, a simple garnish on the edge of the plate because a pasta plate has that nice edge to it where you can put a bit of salad on the side, put some microgreens on the side, uh, some beautiful basil leaves, some uh, mint leaves, uh, lavender sometimes. It just gives that little bit of oomph to the plate. You know? Right, right. I like it when you said keeping it minimalistic. It's, yeah. it's great when you say keep it minimalistic. I think times have changed, isn't it? When like 10, 15 years ago, people would start creating skyscrapers, uh, scrapers, um, uh, on the plate, it was like, what the hell is going on? It's it's it's, it's too <laughs> dramatic, and 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 not practical either, isn't it? So, uh, I think times have changed. People are more literate; they're more understanding of the fact that if the ingredient is great, you don't need to muck around too much, isn't it? You don't need to, and also look at it from the from a cook's point of view. If he has to copy or replicate it, and if he has to serve a hundred diners. In 10 minutes, how is he going to replicate a complicated plate? 
That's true, especially especially now where the wage cost is so high. I mean, you know, I'm talking from the UK point of view. The wage cost is so high that you need to really start churning out bums on seats in the restaurant to, to make it. So on the same question, Chef, tell me, you know, now that we've got so many fantastic cuisines in the world doing so well, you have Korean, you have Vietnamese, you've got the fur restaurants, you've got Japanese all around uh, in, in their glory. Uh, obviously, the uh, uh, Italians, you know, are there in their short format. But how do you see uh, the consumers viewing Indian cuisine now uh, when they compare it with these so-called fanciful international cuisines? Do you see that we are there already? No, we are not. Because uh, most foreigners have seen Punjabi food or the Pakistani Indian food. They haven't really experienced the subtle flavors of Indian food. And, True. you know, they're used to the chicken tikka or they're used to butter chicken, which is not really Indian food. You know, it's okay, it's got creamy, heavy, rich. But when you take them to the, I've eaten Punjabi cuisine in Punjabi homes, which is so subtle and so beautiful, but you'll never see it in a restaurant. Or you've seen, South Indian food, light, flavorful, uh, you can play around with it. Uh, the French cuisine from Pondicherry, Indo-French French cuisine from Pondicherry, that's so beautiful in itself. And if we start showcasing these dishes to an international community, I'm sure we'll have three Michelin stars very soon. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And and I think there is there is a little too much that the uh well not all the restaurants but a lot of them go out of the way unnecessary to sort of make it or to do an extra makeover if you like and and yeah. some places it's not required i think just to believe in the fact and be confident that their home food is honest the home food is great and at the end of the day it's healthy you know and um where ayurveda and all this started in india to sort of celebrate that, you know, uh, and and uh, yeah, I think you're very true. I think very soon we should be able to get there if we put all these uh, things in the right uh, perspective, isn't it? And also to look at it, a lot of uh, international chefs, the attention to detail is there. We are not taught that. We are not teaching our students the attention to detail. Uh, the flavor has to be bang on time after time again. Uh, the minute things have to be perfect, you know. Do you do you uh, spend time in the college and and train the students? Uh, I do. You know, talk, talking about these. All right, the lucky guys. I mean, when we grew up, it was get this big pot, start peeling the onions, forty kilos, and then you jump in and keep stirring till I come back, sort of a thing. But yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I know. I totally understand the sensitivity and the sensibilities of uh, cuisine. Um, which is very, very critical, you know, if we have to get out there. So what's, what's, how successful are we in capturing the right visual content, Chef, to meet the global standards? We are on our way. We are on our way because you're getting a lot of our students coming back from studying at fancy colleges. They're bringing back a lot of knowledge to the country. They're implementing it. So I think we're on our way getting there slowly. Right, right. No, no, I think, I think, I think it's, it's a brilliant moment uh, that I see. And then being in the UK for 
off and on close to over 15, 16 years, I can certainly see how we have evolved, uh, you know, from food once trying to be, uh, you know, too much of work being done and then focusing on the ingredients, being local, keeping it simple, flavors and all the stuff as well. And, and the presentation as well, more, more honest, more simple, more you want to you want to dig into it. It's it's not ornamental. It's functional as well, isn't it? So that's great. Do you think now you do a lot of restaurants and concept chefs, right? Isn't it? So what do you think are the new challenges in conceptualizing restaurants? I think one of the biggest challenges for us is we have never been chef centric restaurants. And I think that is coming about slowly and steadily. We've got to get away from those Bible menus. Uh, another silly craze that I've been seeing is where certain you know, winners of TV shows or TV chefs are now setting up restaurants, but they've never worked in a traditional restaurant before. And then the owners or the investors, yeah, they're the ones holding the reins at the end of the day. And so you yeah. can, yeah, so you can create a beautiful concept, but if there's no foundation behind it, that restaurant is not going to last a year. Yeah, no, no, very true. I think it's it it looks so glamorous out there um, that I guess a lot of them may feel that this is it. But when you have to literally get up five 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 a.m. in the morning, go buy your fish or vegetables, and get into the restaurant and say, "This is the this is the pick for the day. Let's whip up a menu." Winding up the day late in the afternoon, you know, or, or evening. And, and, and doing that regularly every day on and on and on is a different world altogether rather than a flashy, uh, uh, you know, presence on the telly and then, you know, getting popular. I do, I do understand that. Um, but it's very strange. I think uh, how media has impacted um, the whole culinary world, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, great. So t- tell us, Chef, what lies ahead in your culinary journey? Travel, for one, it's always been there. Uh, we are trying to create, uh, now that things are going online, a uh, couple of our chefs are trying to get together where we are creating videos based on technique. Uh, my teaching, and I want my teaching in colleges to grow uh, because I feel that is where I'm good at and getting students and mentoring them because I think chefs come out with already their preconceived notions. Uh, they don't want to change, especially the older ones. Uh, so I think like how you're doing, we're getting to the youngsters and training them, grooming them. I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, that's great. And uh, we, we really get inspired with what you do. You're out and about, you know, if you're not in your studio, you're in the kitchen. If not there, you're, you know, you're mentoring your students. And, and, and so basically, I don't think you have any favorite pastime. This is your life, isn't it? This is your favorite. This is your favorite yeah. time. There's no pastime that uh, is associated with your work. You, you love, you, you're doing what you love, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, that's, that's lovely to hear. Now, now tell us about something about social media platforms, Chef. I mean, you know, all that is trending. People get up and sleep with Instagram or Facebook. You know, uh, they, they, you know all that stuff is, is literally catching like wildfire. On the flip side, 
is there something or some dish that went on trending mentally on social media uh, or a concept that didn't deserve it to? Do you, can you think of something at all? I think recently there was that silly coffee thing that was going around. What is that coffee? Some yeah, yeah, about a year ago. I've been seeing a lot of dark photography in on Instagram, and food is lively. It's colorful. It's bright. It's you know you can have these dark dark images all the time of food, and I, it's probably the mood of the people. I think also. You know, but still, yeah. So I'm seeing these trends happening on Instagram and they don't really show the food in all its glory. You know? Totally understand that. And I think, I think you're right. When people are all caged in their homes during, during the COVID, they, they just did lots of cooking at home. People who never cooked tried their hands out. Uh, probably some lucky who had gardens went on to planting and doing all the jazz and, I think I think a lot was going on, and and I think the social media with the likes of all this went up in a big boom, and 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 something like Reels was born, wasn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's it's all TikTok. Never heard of that, uh, and that's that's catching like a wildfire. I've not even been on that. I think also, you know, you know, when we were growing up, we looked at a photograph, we looked at a magazine, appreciated the image, went back to the image after a point of time, but with, with social media there's no chance for that it's just gone in a second you know the valuing things appreciating things that's gone and that's something but i don't think the younger generation will understand true true i, th I think you're right just you know looking at something and absorbing and let it immerse in you feeling it emotionally uh you're right um a, a lot of things look so pretty but it's 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 great for that one-off uh, photography, uh, you know, look feel, which may not be very relevant, and that's what I see uh, is happening, which um, which then takes away a true chef from what he is supposed to do, rather than trying to, you know, be a painter, if you like, for the lack of words. Right. How does uh, um, chef uh, Michael Swamy rewind after? you know, the whole day with all that stuff going on. What do you do? Do you sit by the river, put your feet down, look up at the sky? What do you do? Yeah, kind of. You kind of do that. I've been teaching myself horse photography, learning how to ride. Uh, a friend has a farm near uh, Pune, where I go. Uh, so spending time there, I just spend four or five days amongst the horses, maybe ride a couple of times, just chilling. Uh, I think that's... Um, my best stress stress buster how cool is that and I, and, I, and i do follow you on instagram and i love those lovely pictures and sometimes the look when you when you when you take the pictures i was wondering is that chef michael on the horseback you know <laughs> so I, I said hang on what's happening is it a is it a photoshop or is he really on it <laughs> <laughs> so chef uh before we wind up what's a piece of advice for our young budding chefs you know uh, a couple of couple of words for them. Um, what should they uh, What should they focus on? You know, to 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 hit on to the the right uh, sort of place. Yeah, in future. I think they have to concentrate on themselves to be creative, to be honest to uh, with themselves, 
Uh, chase your passions, yes. But you have to be honest with yourselves, with yourself at all times of the day. That's the best advice I can give, you know? Because at the end of the day, you're feeding someone. You're feeding a customer, you're feeding someone. And if your food is not true and not honest, they're never going to come back to you. So you have to be true to your craft. Very true, very true. And I think I think finding the right mentors, working with them, uh, um, and 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 all this is a lot of time staking and a lot of perseverance. Easier said than done, uh, but it certainly pays off at the end of it, doesn't it? End of the day, it pays off. You find a good mentor, a good chef to train with. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Well, well, chef, I wouldn't hold you much because I know you're getting ready, backpacking and off, off to this lovely resort of yours. And thanks so much for being a part of Jolly Good Foodcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you, chef, and getting your insights into this culinary world at large. Such a pleasure to be here. Lovely. Likewise, chef, likewise. So tell us, if the listeners want to follow you, chef, where can they find you online? Uh, on Instagram, I'm the Michael Swami, and uh, both on Twitter, the Michael Swami. Because I lost the password for Michael Swami, so it's now just the Michael Swami. All right. Well, I love the Michael Swami. <laughs> That's even better. Well, thank you so much once again. Thank you to our lovely listeners for tuning into the show. We have a lot of interesting conversations coming soon on your favorite podcast app each week, and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chef Jolly or Jolly Good Chef for more Jolly Good content. Thank you all. Keep well and be safe. Thank you.